Pause. Yeah. My daughter actually walked in the room. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you heard her. I did not actually. Okay, we can cut this we can cut this part out then. Okay, cool. Uh where were we? What where should we go back to? All right, y'all. Welcome back to Slumscast. This is our second episode. We have emerged from our inaugural episode a little bit beat up, but a little bit wiser. You're probably wondering who we are, if this is your first episode, or potentially even if this is the second episode and you just didn't listen to the first one very closely. I am Neurocancer. I am the Don of the Stimslack Emoji Mafia. And I'm Josh, aka Orbital Tangent, still Netrunner's okayest player. Still have that claim to fame. I love it. In case you're wondering what this podcast is, it is a podcast about genuinely trying and spectacularly failing to be good at Netrunner. This podcast will not make you better at Netrunner, and it also will not make you a better person. There's a possibility you could at some point become okay. Honestly, some days that possibility is something that I really need, you know? Big same. All right. We start, as always, this week with week. This isn't a weekly podcast, even though this might come out a week after the first one. We start, as always, this week with the intro question, which is not a question this week. So there is another Netrunner podcast that some of you out there may be familiar with. You may listen to. You may even subscribe to them called The ShadowNet. And this week on their podcast, The ShadowNet called us the fuck out. Those bastards. Can't believe it, honestly. We're over here trying to have a good time, trying to talk about Netrunner, and we are just getting broadsided by the galleon of their podcast that has seven episodes and shit. This is some David and Goliath bullshit right here. I know. I mean, how dare they do that? We're just trying to get started. We're a friendly podcast. Like you said, just having fun. And they're coming in with their eliteness and just telling us, well, well, basically the truth, how bad we are. Yeah, the really it's, fucked up thing about this whole exchange is like they are like Shadownet actually has good like like Eric is actually extremely good at Netrunner and neither of us is actually good at Netrunner. Well, well, yeah, I mean, but you don't you don't have to say that, pants. Uh, sorry, uh, Eric is extremely not good at Netrunner, and I'm extremely good at Netrunner, and um, and wow, what a what a day we're having. Well, anyway, anyway. The point is. We have been called out by the ShadowNet, which, by the way, is an excellent podcast. You should you should listen to it if you don't already. And we yeah, are not backing down. No, you, you have no, a message not at all. Yeah. Do I have a message for them? Yes, yes, I do have a message for them, specifically for White Blade. White Blade, we will overwhelm you with the power of well, terrible decisions and replacement level play. I, I mean, I hope we can. Like, we we don't have many other weapons in this fight. If that doesn't do it, then I'm not sure what. It's a little rough. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah. In all seriousness, though, Shadownet, great podcast. I, I think everyone should be listening to all of the Netrunner content out there because Netrunner's a great game, but also fuck them. Yeah, absolutely. You can't step to us without us stepping back. You know, I, I have to say, honestly, like, this is sort of like ever since I had the idea of like we should have a Netrunner podcast, it's been a little bit of a dream of mine to have beef with another Netrunner podcast. And it is just incredible that we're already getting that. This is just how they drew it up in like the Disney movie. This is this is act two. We're getting smacked down. We'll have a come from behind trick play and, and that's how it'll end. So. Yeah, just that galaxy braid. And uh, I suppose that's going to bring us to another segment. 
another segment. Yeah, that we're adding to this podcast called The Beef Zone. The Beef Zone. That's that's excellent. You know, it's it's it was an interesting decision by the people who added this segment to this podcast to have the beef zone be something that was not talking about our beef with another podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting decision. It's a bold yeah. move, you would say. Yeah. So the beef zone is a segment where we ask a simple question: Who would win in a fight? This week we are asking single-sided Swiss versus double-sided Swiss. Who would win in a fight? Is that a question you want me to answer? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want your take. I want your hottest take on this. Hmm. It's something that honestly I haven't thought about a lot about. If I'm going to be honest, single-sided Swiss seems better for a couple of reasons. I couldn't explain the reasons behind it. One of the things that I like about it is that it seems to force more games of Netrunner during a tournament, which, in my opinion, that's what you're there for. Right, so it's 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 the uh, it's the rope a dope strategy, right? Just you you overwhelm them, you tire them out, and then bam, one punch, they're done. That's why I'm taking single sided Swiss. It's just it's a better strategy overall, I would say. Okay, so you're taking single sided Swiss as well. That's so we're right. in agreement. Yeah, I, I would definitely say single sided Swiss wins in a fight for for many reasons. I think honestly, like I think the people are on the side of single sided Swiss as well. I think like you know. If, this is not going to be the fight scene where like someone gets shoved into the crowd and then like the crowd's beating them up. If someone's getting beaten up when they get shoved into the crowd, it's double-sided Swiss. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that even if they are... Um... There's just some unpopular moves, right? Like, to be clear, I'm not saying that if you're in a tournament, you shouldn't engage in these. Like, you know, I, I, I use them myself when I have to. But I don't think that two-for-ones and extremely large numbers of intentional draws are especially popular. The fact that they do exist can, like, it can put you in a really, really tough position if you lose your first couple games in that runner tournament, which is something that I, I do all the time. So yeah, absolutely. That was what I was going to try to get at. I was going to say that even if you use the two for ones and the IDs, same. I've I've used those as well. Uh, smaller tournaments. That's how I sometimes luck sack into the cut. But I think that even if you use those and you accept those as part of tournament play, even those people like myself would be like, nah, single-sided Swiss is, is better if it's going to make me actually play games. Yeah. But, you know, if we stay double, I'm going to try to play the tournament math because that's another skill about going to a tournament. And sometimes part of the yeah. fun of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, like, the point of a tournament is to do as well as you can. The point of a tournament is to win games and to make the cuts. So, like, again, there's absolutely no judgment for using them. When you're in a tournament, if your best move in a particular spot is two for one, then you two for one. It's more about the fact that double-sided Swiss is a system that incentivizes moves like that more than single-sided Swiss does. Yeah, and I think that's the main reason it single-sided wins in a fight. Yeah, absolutely. The, the reason that we're bringing this up this week is I'd like to give a big shout-out to Isengrin SC. Almost certainly massacred that name. Sorry, Jeff released some analysis this week, I think a piece in a longer series looking at kind of, okay, if we break things down mathematically with some simulations that are mimicking sort of human-like behavior, but with a large number, a larger number of tournaments than we would ever get, you know, in a single year in Netrunner, honestly, in a single decade in Netrunner. Generally speaking, what would be the impact of switching to single-sided Swiss? One of the last pieces was released this week where kind of it was answering the question of, all right, we have this simulated setup. We have some knowledge of what the true skill level of different players in the tournament is. And we're looking at if like players of those skill levels play a double-sided Swiss tournament 
and play a single-sided Swiss tournament, how do the finishes line up with skill levels? And pretty much the, the ultimate conclusion was double-sided Swiss doesn't capture skill level significantly better than single-sided Swiss does. Yeah, so then with the advantages that come along with single-sided, it seems like the obvious choice. Yeah, absolutely. Not to shameless plug, I helped out with the, the design of that analysis, and it's a cool one. I think Jeff's done some really good work here. I would go check it out for sure. Absolutely. Sounds great. Yeah. Trying to help out with fancy mathematical analyses like that, it's really the yeast I can do. Uh, speaking of yeast, it's time for another segment. It's time for baking up thin cloves. What thin cloves are in the oven today? So you, you and I discussed this before, but figured we would lay down some audio on just our thoughts on what's going to go down at Worlds, what deck we think Ooh, will yes. win Worlds is the specific thin clove that we have in the oven. We do have another loaf in the oven, oh, a shit. bonus loaf, if a you will. Bonus loaf. What bonus is this, loaf. A bakery. What deck do we think will get last place? Oh, that's something I'm much more qualified to answer. Same. Yeah. Uh, but, so, so let's start with the question we're going to both be bad at, which is what's going to win worlds. Uh, I think my guess here, and I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say that Leela is going to win worlds on runner side, partially because Leela just seems really strong to me. You know, you've got all of the money, you've got all of the tools, you've got the ability to challenge early, but you've also got late game inevitability. It's really, really tough to beat a well-tuned Leela deck. And the thing that's possibly grossest about it, and the reason that it's a good choice to say it's going to win Worlds is just you can swap five cards one way, five cards the other way to beat kind of anything that's in the field. You know, if, if you expect a bunch of Asa, oh man, like, oops, all miss bones. Yep. If you expect all game net, like, oh, I've, I've got the entire terminal drip set of like 18 Tapworms and 57 Rizekis. Like... Yep, I would agree with you. It's uh, for me on the on the runner side, definitely all Leela all the way. And we talked about a couple of decks back and forth, but I certainly think it's going to be some sort of flavor of like criminal that has those cards that are good in multiple matchups and yeah. those cards that neutralize the corpse tempo. Like Tapworm, I I expect to be a three X in these decks. Like I don't see a reason not to run it when it's free. And... I mean, let's let's think of it this way, right? Like. Tapworm is Time Walk. Time Walk is banned in yeah. that. Like it's, you know, it's, it's one of the few cards that you can literally only play one of in their most powerful format. Encore, another version of the corpse skips their turn. Obviously, a different version of it entirely, but like that card's banned. Yep. <laughs> Turns out just like a, a card where you can spend a click to, to gain a turn is it's pretty strong. Hyperdriver, yep. another card that sort of fits that bill, has been banned in the past. Yes, yes, indeed. And Tapworm has been banned as well. So we yeah. know it's a good card. We know that it's it's going to do what it needs to do. And I, I think that you're right. It's it's time lock, basically, because uh, the corpse is going to want it off the board. Yeah. Um, you're never going to play really more than one. You're going to force them to clear them one by one. Mm -hmm. And worst case, you get an extra turn. Best case, they leave it on the board, and any forward tempo they have in getting money or anything like that is just moot because it's helping you too. In, in a sense, best case is actually you don't get money from it and they don't clear it. Mm -hmm. That just means they're poor as hell forever. That That is true as well. And I think that that's, that fits really well with Leela, though, the, just the, what the card is going to do. Because she's punishing scoring, which these these Asa decks and any Rush decks, which is, we're, we're going to get into Corp, but I think yep. that those decks are, are good. 
she's setting him back and she's she's punching through holes and openings and i think tap horn fits really well with that the other piece that i was to get into though was i think criminal of the factions is the one faction that has cards that are applicable to multiple matchups so i think putting in one or two embezzle in a deck is just going to be good because you know with asa and you know with a lot of these rush decks what's going to be in their hand it's going to be a lot of operations or it's going to be some ice with Asa, you know, it could be some assets, but they're mostly just going to put those on the board. So really, the embezzle is pretty, if you're reading what cards have been on the board already or in the in archives already, it's pretty good to land it and go forward on your tempo with money and, and card trashing. So, so if you get to the late game scenario where like they are counting on like, I have the biotic labor in my hand that like is the way that I'm going to beat this deck that has me completely dead on board. And you're just like, well, actually you don't. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think I really have anything other to to say other than that. Like, yeah, same. Krim size inside job. You know, it just, it's in a good spot. It's crazy. In 2020, like we're, we've reached the point where Krim's actually have room for inside job and that's terrifying. Yeah, well, it's only because pad tap went away. <laughs> they had the, the 46th and 47th card syndrome pretty hard, yeah, and they're still cool. good after yeah. getting their best Absolutely. card banned. All right, what corp do we think is going to win Worlds? I'm honestly like, I'm, I'm going to take similar logic here. I think, and, and again, this is a little bit cheating because there's like, this is probably three or four decks that I'm about to say, but I think Asa. If I had to put money on it, I would be betting that Asa wins just because there are many different styles of that deck. You can play the hardcore combo rush out with dedicated, mm-hmm. with dedication ceremony and re- reconstruction contract, which if you are the wrong runner is really hard for you to interact with. But you can also play the Lakshmi version, which again, if you're the wrong runner, really hard for you to interact with that unless you get ahead on tempo. And to punish people who want to try to get accesses very fast and get key trashes very fast, you can also play hard-hitting news, Asa, that will boom you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's got a lot of different flavors. Like, there, there's probably an even grosser Asa out there that I just haven't mentioned because the Illuminati have it under wraps until the night. Yeah, that's true. I think Asa's got a pretty good chance for it, but I think something similarly rushy could work or similarly jammy. I think one of the things that is not being talked about right now that could be a contender would be sports metal. Ooh. Yeah, just because if you think about it, sports metal really has a lot of forward tempo. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what you're going to want to win a lot of games. You're just going to want a fast corp deck that doesn't have to slow down. Yeah, the good thing about it is, right, the forward tempo is like it's, it's choose your own adventure, whichever type of tempo helps you the most right now. Yeah, so I think that that could be kind of good against Leela because say they come and they trash some of your stuff in hand. Well, it could be that you score and you draw up or if they're, you know, on tapeworm for instance, you could um well, word mouth sounds not working. <laughs> what I'm saying is is okay, you could go low on credits to to dodge the tapeworm, but yeah. as you're scoring kind of yo-yo back up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's why it might be a little good. And like an agenda that's like choice in sports metal is the cyberdeck sandbox. Yeah. Because when you score that, it is just like you make back all of your money, you clear virus counters, and then with sports metal, you get either two cards or two extra credits. Like it's incredible. So I think incredible value if you happen to score it while there's a tapeworm on the board. 
It, absolutely. So that's why I think that it might be something that isn't being thought about. There's a cu- other couple of things that I think that are, are decent that I think could make waves, but I think it'll require a specific type of player and like a specific set of matchups for it to win. So those are my two things. Is I think it's going to be something HP. And if I had to put money on it, it'd be Acer Sports Metal. Cool. How about the last place? Let's just get quick hot takes. Last place deck at Worlds. Go. Something shaper. I mean, in my heart, certainly. I think probably also in the stains. I'm I'm gonna say Akiko Nisei. Oh, specific IDs. Like the one Akiko Nisei in the field is gonna finish last. I could see that. What else is legal here? Haley? Uh no. Lot. What? Lot. Ah, yeah. Oh, oh, that's what I'll go with. I'm gonna go with an APOC lot deck. Ooh, APOC lot. I'll even call that's it the a, deck. That's a dis- man. That's that's a spicy one right there. Well, we, we've seen a couple of them. And the thing about APOC and Shaper is it's APOC and Shaper. Uh, it's it's not very good. You know, Krim's got them boomerangs. Anarch has got those those breakers that it doesn't need to install until it needs to. But you can install an Aesop's Pawn Shop and get like three credits before you have to APOC again. Sure, I suppose. Corpse side, I think last place at Worlds is going to be Aesop. I think someone's going to pick up an ASA list that they saw do well at a tournament, not realize it was a combo list, and not know what they're doing. And it's very sad. Yeah, I don't have anything funny uh, or insightful to say in return. Just hard agree. Yeah, it's going to be me, probably. Hard agree. Yeah, I would say like we've reached a good consensus on the last place decks here. Wait, does that mean that you're playing Akiko Nisei? Uh, you said it's going to be I you. I didn't think that through. I did not think that through. I'm not playing Akiko Nisei. Pants, you're playing Shaper? No, absolutely not. All right, either way, I think we've reached a consensus, which is, why would you bring that to Worlds? Why would you do that? Which brings me to our newest new segment. Why would you do that? This is a segment where we talk about fundamentally flawed decisions. We've both made some bad deck building choices in the past, made a few small oopsies, but we've also considered some fundamentally terrible deck ideas. Let's look through our past. Which idea that is just awful? Have you gotten the closest to actually taking to a real deck? Well, I do have one. Go on. Okay, so when we started doing the lockdown tournaments and it became easier to go to tournaments, I told myself I was going to go to a bunch of them. Well, I I didn't. I, I went to one. And we'll get into that later. But I was considering after the banning of currents, a yellow deck. A yellow deck specifically in Harp. Oh, that's And oh, oh, oh. the idea of this deck was to race the runner with fake points. So oh. you'd put in news teams, you'd put in exchanges and franchise cities. Oh my God. Yeah, see, I getting thought this ulcers. would work. I'm getting ulcers right now. So I figured, look, no employee strike, right? So they can't get around the ability? I mean, yes, employee strike is dead. One school of thought about Harp. Because Harp is unplayable while Employee Strike is printed, if Employee Strike goes away, maybe Harp will be playable. That was one way to think about the idea. It was not the correct way to think about the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out when you shove 20 agendas in your deck, it's really easy for the runner to score seven points over seven turns. It's not well, easy for the Corp to do the same thing. Well, it, right, and that's the tricky thing about Harp in particular. Is like, you know, the, the reason that you're playing Harp is Hoo, hoo, hoo. surely they will access two agendas in one turn in my like 
my explode a palooza will give me five free credits. They can't do anything about it. I mean, they, they still want agenda and they stop. That's how it works. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty bad one. Oh, oh boy. Mine is back in the days before Levy was dead. It was a Max deck, as many of my terrible ideas are. This is actually one I got inspiration from a player who did well with a deck of this sort in King of Servers. The team did pretty well. He was not playing Scrubs all day with this deck. And we were talking about the fact that we'd both played Max. I was revealing my influence split, you know, the, a bunch of legworks, a bunch of Maker's Eyes, that kind of thing. And he said, well, I, I'm also spending six influence on three copies of a Shaper event, but it's not Maker's Eye. And I did not guess what the event was. He had to tell me it, it was uh, it was Diesel. You might see where this is going now. So the idea was you just have iPad worse, you have Inject, you have Diesel, and you have Max Draw. You install an Obelis, and you yeet all of your cards into Savernius Stimplant. Oh, no. To dig for like a billion cards, and then draw a billion cards with Obelis, and do it again next turn. I, I, I practiced, like, I... I seriously, I got so many reps with that deck and just could not get it to be even close to good. Yeah, I mean, the rig to do that in the first place is like a bunch of credits too, though, isn't it? Like, yep. <laughs> That's the problem. You still need a lot Severnius of money. is like, what? What? It's at least two, but I want to say it's four. Yeah, two, if I remember correctly. It's, it is enough credits that, you know, like the problem is you still need to actually install your breakers afterwards and break ice mm. with them because you still need to access. <laughs> yeah, and your engine before all the and breakers is still six credits. With and you, yeah, you can't do that either. <laughs> so and like because you're yeeting your entire deck very quickly, you have to levy very quickly, it's super easy for you to get through one pass of your deck, not have all your breakers installed, and have to levy anyway. Oh my god. So you're just you're giving up so many scoring windows right and left. It's it is terrible. It is not a good deck. I don't Plus, recommend that anyone should play it. If you're eating your entire deck, like you're not using your deck to win games. Like I, I, okay, that's that's the one piece of the deck that I think is actually good deck building. You shouldn't be using your games to win cards. You should be using the basic action card to, to win cards. Yeah, basic win action card uh, OP. Well, if you win games, you do win cards, technically. True. All tarts. You win games of cards, yeah. If Netrunner gets back to the anti-system, then, you know, you actually win cards. Honestly, I, th I think that's enough theory. I think that's enough That's enough hypothetical decks we might have taken to a tournament. It's time for us to talk about something we actually did take to a tournament. That's right. It's time for Deck and Bamboozled. I believe this is one of yours. Oh, no. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this deck, let me introduce it real quick here, is one that I put together for the Milwaukee Online Store Championship. And I discovered a version of this deck by watching a CTZ stream, uh, San Francisco. All good inspiration starts there. Yeah, so, so word to them, and shout-outs to Brian and CTZ. Oh, yeah. They're our homies. Anyway, it's an Asmari deck. And so already a good start. Oh, yeah, it's a great. good choice. Yeah. Good ID. Got banned for a reason. Yep. And uh, How this could it deck. How possibly go bad from here? Yeah. This deck is called Kill Dem With It. And it's called that because I thought it had the secret sauce. 
and killed him with it is a sauce at a local restaurant here in Minneapolis, St. Paul called Pimento. Just this awesome Jamaican joint uh, whose logo is primarily yellow and green. And this deck Ooh. also primarily yellow and green. So lots You've of double layered, so far. I'm triple layered puns. Yeah, I know. I'm stalling. I'm stalling is what I'm doing. Okay. So I'm going to go through and I'm just going to read out some cards. Deck might seem normal, but then, then we're going to explain why it's not. All right. Okay. Agenda Suite. Standard Asmari 6. Nothing special here. Three Bolana, three SSL. Fantastic start. Those are the agendas you want and none of the agendas you don't want. Absolutely, yeah. And you get to play six because you're a 44-card deck, right? And it's stupid, right? Yeah, so then one of the assets. Mm -hmm. And it's two Echo Chamber, three NGO, mm -hmm. and three Rashida. Again, so, yeah, standard. great to me. Yeah, so you're going to bluff those NGOs, get credits. You're going to bluff those Rashidas as Echo Chambers, get credits. Uh, yeah, okay. And then we're going to skip over the operations. Having to skip over the operations again. Yeah, that's uh, um, where a lot, of the, a lot of the problems seem to start there in this podcast. Yeah, I mean, the ice aren't, aren't great either, but don't point out the obvious omission here quite yet. So three gold farmer, really good piece of ice, turns out. Fantastic. I I, someone should ban it. It's, it's really yeah. good. One IP block, not bad. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see a few more IP block is a hell of an ice of turtles a thing, but you know, three gold, three gold farmer is fantastic. And some number yep. of IP block I support. Just a single Eli. Uh, it's not bad. It's just that, you know, you've got IP block in faction, which is super good. A little surprised that the influence is going there, but like, it, again, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's a little bit spicy. Yeah. Yeah. Just figured it's expensive, even for paperclip. Not great. Not terrible either. Yeah. There are other larger props, let's say. Two Archangel. Okay, it feels a little 2016 to me, but you know, Archangels is like, if people aren't prepared for it, it sucks to break. Yeah, yeah, and that was the idea. There's a reason it's in there, and I'll explain that. I, I think that the, the logic on that is not terrible. Two slot machine. Yeah, good eyes. One Jua. Mm, don't love that. Definitely don't yep. love that. I hmm, Yeah. And then the Piece de la Resistance. Two Hydra. Get the fuck out. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? Hydra? Two of them? In Asmari? Okay, so, like, alright, it's ten credits, yeah. I mean, that's a lot. And, and you can stop the sentence there. It's ten credits, and that's a lot. Okay, but it also has three subs, and a buttload of strike. Um, and it's five credits they pay you back. Uh, that's a big if. It isn't five credits. It's ten credits that you get five back from, maybe. You still have to have the 10 up front, which is... Yes. Man, that's bad. What was in the meta that you were so worried about that you were like, I need a Hydra to keep this out? Need a Hydra to keep this out? Uh, I don't know. I think at this point, wasn't Boomerang out? Boomerang is out. And yes, Hydra technically has three subs, but it kind of doesn't. I mean, yeah. If you break two of them, then the third one is like a click and two credits. Okay. Yeah. But it's a click and two credits. And you, you I don't know. know. What else is a, you know what's a click and three credits? Turnpike. Uh, okay. Yeah. Turn, turnpike is probably better because this, this deck can be rushier. Yeah. I have used Hydra exactly once. It was kind of okay then. And the deck that I used it in was disgustingly rich. And, you know, I had other good ice around it. There's also a better century for the slot. 
That's the thing is like, yes and no. Because you can make the argument, an Asmari like this should be on Surveyor. But the thing is, you're also on 11 Ice. So I'm not sure you should be on Surveyor. My questions are around why the ice mix is this light. And if it's this light, like, I mean, hell, you should probably be on Data Raven instead. Like, if you care about tags. I don't think that this really cared about tags that much, which was another reason that I was... Oh, then then, then Hydrate isn't that much. Like, yeah, nah, I, I don't buy it. Yeah, okay. I, I will say this. I think it was better than Tollbooth. I'm sure, I guess. I mean, yes and no. If they have to use hunting grounds, Hydra doesn't force them to use their hunting grounds mm-hmm. like Tollbooth does. You've got several things in the stack that they would want to use hunting grounds on. Like, you've got some number of IP block, you've got slot machine, and you've got Jewel, which I don't love. I, I think that should be a different card. But like, given that it is there, like you're you're sucking up a lot of usages of hunting grounds. So like that does make Tollbooth marginally better than it would be just straight up comparison with Hydra in a format with Boomer. Mm-hmm. The idea of Jua was to basically slow down Shaper. Yeah. The problem is that with SMC and only one Jua in the deck, it's hit or miss on whether or not you can do that. And you don't want to yeah. put more than one in the deck. So then <laughs> they're going to have two or three SMCs. So they're probably going to get their breakers faster than you can slow them down with Jua. So... I also yeah, and, had some some sort well, of plan. And my my issue is there's a good card that does what you just described with Jua, Navi Mumbai. Yeah, and that also could have blocked Boomer as well. So there's there's mistakes that were made on the ice. I understand this. Yep. I also figured like Archangel, if that fired and hit, if there was a Jua trigger hanging around from earlier in the turn. I get that reasoning. It's uh, I don't know. I was know. looking I, for like small synergies, but like they really didn't come together on the ice mix. Right, like they're, they're small synergies, they require some positioning, which is a little bit finicky when like these ice are two of and one of. And yes, like Jua into Archangel is like a little bit of a beating, but then like you still have to have an ice that keeps them out below that. Yeah, well, sort of. So the other thing that I noticed, and this works, this is another downfall of the deck because this works less good against really good players, but it works really good against less good players, let's say. Is this deck, I also figured with the Balanas, the idea would be that, okay, if my ice doesn't stop you, you get down to the bottom of my server and you still can't steal my agenda, which is relying on a lot of magical thinking. Yeah. Because it does work when there are people that are not conscious of their credit pools, but the people that sit across from Asmari and are like, oh, I've played this deck a hundred times, they're like, nah. And the cases where that works, right, are like large stacks of ice, surveyors, whatever, just like cases where you have to spend 13 credits to get through the server and then you get to Bologna and you're like, ah, shit, I've got four credits. This ain't it. You got 11 ice total and you probably got to defend two centrals, maybe three. Yeah, that was another part of like Archangel was I was hoping that I didn't have to defend like HQ, but then, you know, Criminal comes and takes your credits. And... Yep. That's and not they're, fun they're like, as well. Installed card, what's that? Never heard of it. Yeah. So yeah, some questionable decisions with the ice. Let's say, but let's let's get into the operation. Okay, so let's get into the one X's first. Preemptive action got a one X. Yep. Preemptive action is a good card. Pretty good card. You can get back your echo chambers. You can get back your NGOs. You can get back really kind of whatever you want to mix back into the deck. Mm-hmm. So pretty standard for an Asmari deck to rock at least one. Minor APOC insurance, you know. Yep. In the same vein, spent a couple of influenced on archive memories. 
good card. Yeah. Very yep. versatile. You can do a lot of things with it. Yep. And then after trying to get alliance with so many cards, I'm only rocking one consulting visit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in Wayland, sometimes you have trouble having more than one ex-consulting visit. But man, if, if, if you're on alliance, it kind of sucks not to have two. Yeah. And then one ex-IPO. Good card. This is Asmari. I'd love to see two or three. But, you know, one X is better than the zero X I had last week. Yep. So we can go with that. I think an easy cut would have been this next card, which is a 2x, Digital Rights Management, yeah. which I think you want some number in this deck. I don't know if two is right. One but, is probably correct. It, right. It's it's a potential power move in the early game. And, and that's one of the things that's tough about DRM is like you really want it early if you don't have an agenda yet to grab an agenda and put it in mm-hmm. the remote. And in theory, if you have like a mid-game scoring window where you don't have an agenda in hand because they just swept the HQ, but now they're out of money, mm-hmm. you'd love it there too. But uh, it's to have enough to have it early, you have to run a lot. But then when you draw it and you know, you've got it and three agendas in HQ, you just wish it were an IPO so much more. I think so. And I think that once I reveal the rest of the operations, why it should be another IPO is going to be very clear. Um, So we're going to save the, let's be real, it's a kill package. And and we're going to save that for last, though. Because the the other cards are just 3x hedge fund, 3x scarcity. At the time that this deck was a deck, you know, that's, that's standard in Asmari. Right, and that, that's that's another thing about the the centuries. I I forgot that this was back when scarcity was legal. New sound costs like zero credits. I know, I know. It should have new sound. Yes, it should have new sound. Absolutely. But, but but okay. So I'm I'm seeing you've got you know you've got money operations. You've got scarcity of resources. Clearly, you're trying you, you're trying yeah. to establish some sort of credit advantage. What are you doing with that credit advantage? I'm spending a whole twelve influence. Mm-hmm. On three X punitive Counter Strike <gasps> and three X Econ Warfare. That's where it is. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I played punitive Asmari at points in my life. I've never been a gigantic fan of it, to be completely honest. It's tough to have the right balance of rush and punitive Counter Strike and such. And punitive Counter Strike is like the one kill threat that like just can completely die. You know, the, the runner gets six points and your computative counter-strikes aren't cards anymore. I understand the idea, right? Like, you know, you're on mm-hmm. Valona, you're on SSL, you're on agendas that either take tempo from the runner when they steal them or give you tempo when they're stolen. It should, in theory, make it easier to econ warfare punitive counter-strike them. Mm-hmm. But but this, this is a little rough, my dude. Yeah, so I think the, the big stinker here, to be honest with you, isn't the punitive counter-strike. The econ I think that those are fine. It's the econ warfare. It's absolutely because that six influence should go into what you brought up earlier. I shouldn't have two hydras there. I should maybe, even if it's just a mid range ice, maybe have just three surveyors. Yeah, stacks of ice and like a gross upgrade, like an axe or something like that. Let's think of the mechanics of the kill turn, right? For economic warfare to really be better than a hedge fund, you've got to econ warfare and then punitive counter strike them twice. That's three cards in hand, and none of them can be consulting visit. You have to actually have Econ Warfare, Punitive, Punitive. You can't even archive, right? Like, in theory, you can Econ Warfare, Archive, Punitive. Technically, that's better than a hedge fund because you can do it from a lower credit pool, but it's not much better. 
Yeah, yeah. The math just doesn't work very great on it to have these econ warfares, especially like because what I was doing with a lot of them, and again, this works on players that aren't watching their credit pools or trying to make a lot of money with their decks or their decks aren't tuned to have decent econ, but I was using them for value a lot of the time. I wasn't holding them in hand for the punitive turn. I was just going, I'm going to take four credits from you. Right. The the, the tricky thing there, right? Like is a a strong player is going to see an econ warfare and change how they play instantly. Absolutely. And then they're going to keep their credit totals higher. They're going to make more targeted runs. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're right. And so it turns out if those would have just been like maybe IPOs and I would have had better ice. Or Ash. um, Ash is a thing. Yeah. Or Ash. Just again, like even if Surveyor is like mid range, you could go like with 3x Surveyor, right? And then you could take out the Hydras and the Jua and you mm-hmm. could put in, as you said, Newshound. And yep. then immediately yep. the deck is better yep. because yeah. Surveyor and those Newshounds are probably going to cost them more over the course of the game than the 3x Economic Warfare. Yep. <laughs> so that is like six influence that is just like it's it is burning a, in, a huge chunk of shame. Pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And plus the ice count would have went higher if those were just ice. Right, because like the the way to establish a credit lead is not random take four credits away from you after a successful run. It's make you run through your ice multiple times and organically spend all your credits. Absolutely, yeah. So the amount of uh, echo chamber could have been upped or like another punitive action to bring yep. back like uh, NGOs and Rashidas I plus those it. surveyors. If you just want pure cat, if you're already on Newshound, you can like death and taxes is a card. Like yeah. death and taxes is not a bad fourth yeah. current. Honestly, like, you know, I think I've... I, I think I've played this card in places where other people played other cards, but I really like it. Targeted marketing. Say, mm-hmm. say like you, you're yeah. only getting into this remote with a surveyor if you have a boomer. So my name boomer. And for, for like the, yeah, mistakes the were made. Words, I also name hardware with Esmari. So you're absolutely correct in that I didn't understand that there were certain how do we say tropes that people did with the Asmari decks that. Yeah were that way for a reason you know the yeah. four currents I mean, death and taxes yeah. maybe surveyor sometimes you have to learn these the hard way though yeah and uh speaking of learning the hard way how did this deck do oh absolutely terrible <laughs> so how, how many kills i think there were like maybe one Ooh, that's that's tough. and uh it was like 14 players and i got like 13th nice yeah, I think one win came from this deck and then one from my runner deck. I mean, yeah. I think that was it. Woof. I, I, I mean, I'm not sure how much I can say that I haven't either said already or that the win-loss record said. Yeah, so well, we're fair. There was a time and a place this was not the time, this was not the place, this was not the deck. Absolutely, especially when you have to pay influence for it. It's yeah. it's just so bad. It's It was yep. so bad. If I had to do it all over again... This would be more like CTZ's deck. There would be false leads in here. There would be hard-hitting newses. I I honestly think that that's the better way to play the deck is to make it a yellow version of the outfit where Mm -hmm. your main game plan is to land hard-hitting newses and then kill that way with high profile or a boom. Having the false lead to sack is huge. Yeah, false lead's spicy for that deck. Mm -hmm. But like definitely definitely supportable i mean like these these asmari kill decks did fantastic like you know like fake nuts yeah. 2019 there were there were several in the top cut and it was mostly mm-hmm. just like 
you know, like play the Asmari game of you have to keep up with me. You can't keep up with me. You make one run that was on an NGO and now you're dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and like I think the core idea of the deck is sound. It's just that I took out probably the best piece of ice, yep. cut some ice to put in some operations, yep. and then failed to rock the one ice that doesn't cost you influence that's awesome because you love scarcity in this deck, which yep. is news out. And it's like, oh. But it's, it, it, it happens to the best of us and also the okayest. Yeah, I would say there's, there's no real easy segue out of that. We're switching segments now. That's it. That's the segue. We're on the banner nap. This week, the card up on the chopping block or the not chopping block. Ban or nap? Project Vitruvius. Ban. Yeah, that's going to be a ban for me. And on to the next segment. The bad card of the week that is still bad and you still shouldn't play it. As always, this podcast is, well, this one actually might come out a week before the last one, but this is not a weekly podcast, but as always, this particular suggestion is specific to this week. So the bad card of the week that is still bad and you still shouldn't play it, this one is my choice. I'm, I'm the one who brought this card today. And the card is Buffer Drive. This is inspired by the fact that I've been trying to make Max Works for Worlds. And let me tell you, Buffer Drive is not it, my dude. Like, the ways that this card does not work for Max are all of them. Do you know how many fucking credits Buffer Drive costs? It costs Might as well be a million. three credits. Do you Doesn't know do a how whole many lot for three credits. buffer drive costs? One. You have to spend influence on this piece of shit. Well, oh well in max, uh, it costs three, doesn't it? Uh, in max, it costs three because you need buffer drive early. So it's like taking it's taking the levy problem. I have to spend at least three influence on this card that just lets me continue playing the game. But instead of Levy, where you can at least do it after you've gone through your deck, used up your econ, built up a number of credits, Buffer Drive, you have to install on like turn two if you want to get maximum value out of it. That's, that's some bullshit right there, man. Ugh. Yeah. And then I suppose, unlike Levy, where it's only one slot for three influence, it's yeah. three slots and three <laughs> and the three influence. Oh, man. Yeah. Like the problems that you already have in Max of like go to 47 cards because I know I'm going to mill so much shit. Just like, yeah. Uh, you you mill all your buffer drives too. Yeah, yeah. And like, what what am I supposed drive. to do? Mulligan for the three cost hardware that doesn't help me influence the board? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, buffer so, drive bad, and you shouldn't play it. I think I'm going to disagree with you when it's not Max, though. Like I get what you're saying on Max, but I don't think that this card is terrible. Where are you using this card? Where are you? Where are you saying of like a, a worthwhile use of my time influence? and precious moments on earth is buffer drive okay so this is like edge case but i would say that buffer drive is okay and i'm not going to say anything more than okay and in fact this may be the okayest card in in either a criminal that wants to spam a certain event over and over and over again such as doof in like say geist or 419 and 419 has some problems now because he lost some key cards, but... Uh, you, or, hold on. Events don't trash from the hand, do they? Buffer Drive has that secondary ability, though, where you can... Oh, you have to RFG it to... Oh, oh great. You so RFG I, I get to, it. I get, to pay, I get to pay four credits and three clicks to doof again. Yeah. And a click to draw it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, okay. I, I'm not sure that's okay. I'm I'm not sure that's an okay card. 
So the other one was Atom. And there's two reasons. Because if you pack this in Atom, and you're going to run like maybe two, maybe three, probably not three, but, but maybe two. The early one, you can always trash to Emergent Creativity, because you're right, it's garbage to install it early. And the late one, you can RFG it to get another uh, Logic Bomb, which is a fantastic card. And like the only way that this thing is econ forward, because you're right, it costs a million credits. You have to click up to grab the card that you put on top. It's very, very intense for Tempo to get one card back. But my whole thing is Logic Bomb, in a lot of cases, can be worth it. Because if you're staring down a stack of surveyors, and one of these surveyors is going to cost you, you know, three million credits to get through, you can just be like, okay, I'm going to put this down, this Logic Bomb, and we're going we're gonna to bypass that one, and we're so... going to keep going. I get the emergent synergy. There've got to be other pieces of hardware that are better for emergent. If you're using it primarily as recursion, have heard of a little card called labor rights. It gets you back multiple good things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just, just making sure. Hey, I never said that this card was good. I just said that in some cases it's not bad. I, I, I still hard disagree with you. That. And on that, that's it for the podcast this week. If you liked what you heard, then feel free to follow us. We are available on most podcast networks, podcast distribution services, whatever the hell you call it. I don't know. I don't do podcasts. Feel free to follow us. Please subscribe, whatever. If you didn't like what you heard today, please subscribe anyway. We need subscribers. I'd like to give special thanks this week to Isengrin SC, Jeff, for the analysis he's done on single-sided Swiss, double-sided Swiss. Fantastic stuff. If you haven't seen it already, then I would say check it out. There's, There's some really good reading there. And like, if you're still a little bit on the fence about single-sided twists, double-sided twists, like maybe you're like, you know, I, I, I get the idea of no more two-for-ones. I get the idea of no more intent of less, like fewer intentional draws. I just don't know if it's actually, like, I haven't seen the numbers myself. Well, you ran the numbers, I see. Any special thanks that you'd like to give? Well, I would like to give a special fuck you to the Shadow Net. Yeah, I, okay, that's, that's like, I was going to say that's, uh, let's give special not thanks to them. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, special not thanks, but but also um, but, but, shout out. but also actually thanks, yeah. like for the shout out, guys. Uh, we we know it's been good fun, and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. forward to continuing our our beef with you. And um, yeah, the the, the 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 fact that we're giving you special thanks does not cancel the beef in any way, shape, or form. Oh, absolutely. I mean, still fuck you, but also thank you. Yeah. And other than that, you know, just another hearty thanks to uh, to you, pants, for uh, BSing about Netrunner with me and right back at you i guess we'll see you next time awesome yeah any questions or comments you can find us on slack you can find us on twitter our names will be in the show notes best places to reach us and if you have any concerns good that means we've done our job also sorry peace uh Baking, you're right. That's uh, it's it is set in stone. Audio is an immutable medium. Cannot change it. Cannot edit it.